with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this afternoon. Hello, Dan Torres. Hey, Buzz. How goes your Tuesday? Well, my Tuesday started out so beautifully, unlike... It's kind of ugly here. I'm hmm. sorry. I love Northampton. I love this area, but are, I live are you up calling in Ashfield. Us ugly here? Is that what you're doing? I'm not calling you ugly. No, what you I'm are. saying okay. is, at 1,500 feet, mm-hmm. everything was beautiful oh. this morning. We had well over a foot of snow. A little too heavy. A lot of broken branches because the temperature didn't go low enough, so everything got saturated with uh, icy snow. But um, my wife and I, Marcin and I, went uh, snowshoeing. And it was, I don't know why I didn't take pictures to show off to make you feel bad that you live in the valley. Oh, you don't need pictures to make me feel bad, but I just <laughs> want to let you know that. <laughs> well, it is beautiful up there. So if anybody is so inclined, you know, the DAR is beautiful right now, and that whole region is is full of snow. And I think we're going to get some more tomorrow is what the forecast is. Oh, yeah. Um, and not much here, though, I don't think. It's going to be probably one to two inches, something like that. One to two, two inches. And not where you're living. You're, you'd probably get two feet. No, I think they said four to seven inches on okay. top of. I, I think oh, probably one foot. At fifteen inches already. Okay, so yeah. it's a total almost of two feet. Yeah, um, Asheville. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. It is, isn't it? But um, you know, I there's mean, the a winter. Has, there's a winter in Asheville. That's what you're telling us. It is winter in Asheville. It's the way it's supposed to be, and and the valley. However, there are things we don't have in Asheville that you have here in the valley for which we are quite envious. And one of those things is. An incredible, invaluable um, service to the people who live here called ServiceNet. And with us to talk about ServiceNet and what it has to offer, and particularly a new grant that uh, we all should be interested in, is Karen Franklin, who's the Vice President of Outpatient Services at ServiceNet. Hello, Karen. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure to have you. And I'll tell you what an admirer I am. (laughs) I'll start by hearkening back. About 150 years ago, I represented the Franklin County Mental Health Association, Inc., up in Greenfield, um, which provided really critical services to people who otherwise couldn't afford to open the door into a therapist's office or a lot of other services for children. And um, it was just a fantastic thing. I was really proud to be associated uh, with it for the years that I that I was able to be involved with it. And... Um, that sort of morphed the, the Hampshire County analog and and the Franklin County uh, analog got married and their baby is ServiceNet. And it's a beautiful child. It looks a little like both of them, but it's very different, isn't it? It is definitely very different. Um, things have changed a lot over the years. I think initially it was, you know, um, helping with the deinstitutionalization from the state hospitals into the community. And then it has kind of merged with lots of other programs and has developed into a real community-based mental health center. So. That's what's so wonderful about it. It's totally community-based and, and uh, satisfies the needs that, it, that are perceived in our community, our neighbors who need the kind of assistance and service that provides. So I, I know that there's counseling and psychiatry and, and mental health services. There's also child and adolescent services, aren't there? Yes, we do have child and adolescent services. We also have um, uh, DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, and we have that for adolescents as well, a separate program. And that does a lot of work with youth that are struggling, um, having difficulty managing their emotions, uh, high-risk behaviors, and that's a treatment that is involved with the whole person and the family. Most so people they when teaching they think, skills. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what dialectical behavioral theory is. It sounds pretty sophisticated. <laughs> can, can you tell me in a nutshell what it is? Well, it gives people the opportunity to kind of look at the dialectic in terms of both sides of things and to look at certain behaviors and realize that there are ways that you can adjust and change your thinking about things and the way that you respond um, and learning skills to manage emotions is one of the biggest things that happens. It sounds like a program. lifelong skill we it all could is. benefit from. <laughs> yes, we could. Maybe I should read more about <laughs> DBT, dia- uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. A lot of us think about the shelter and housing services that ServiceNet provides to people who need housing and who need shelter. For some people, that's in- incredibly important, right? 
Yes, definitely. Um, ServiceNet has a program where they provide sheltering, they provide housing, um, and there's also um, the recovery homes that we have for people who need to be in a higher level of care for substance use and to help them with their recovery, and it's residential. Um, we have a, a program in Greenfield and in Pittsfield. Well, um, that gets us a little bit closer to um, why I think, uh, why we invited you in, because we read front page of the uh, Daily Hampshire Gazette, and I think the recorder, about a four, um, $4 million grant that ServiceNet has procured. And you, Karen Franklin, Vice President of Outpatient Services at ServiceNet, are going to be integrally involved with, um, with using that grant money. So Correct. tell us about the grant, who gives it to you, okay. and what are your intentions? Okay, so this is a grant. Um, we actually had it for two years prior to this. And it was just extended so that we can improve access for people to get the services they need. And it was provided by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Recovery Association and um, administration, sorry. And it is to provide really integrated care for people. Before we had this grant, we could um, only see people for therapy and psychiatry were the two main things that we provided. And that was because it was, you know, we billed to insurance companies and that's how we supported the outpatient programs. Now, uh, with this grant... You're, uh, you're a clinic. And a you clinic. provide services and you bill insurance companies exactly. for Exactly. Yeah. But now we can provide so many more services to people who really need them to integrate and really provide comprehensive care. So, for example, we have case managers who help people come in, you know, all kinds of basic needs, how to, how to get housing, how to get food stamps, how to get insurance. Um, basic needs, we have people also who do recovery coaching, so these are peers that have been through their own recovery, and they do coaching um, and help people who are in recovery from substance use. Mm -hmm. And then we also have peer mentors who are um, also who have lived experience with mental health problems, and they do peer support to the people in the program. And we have nursing, where they focus a lot on wellness um, and also integrating care with... Physical and mental health Yes, wellness. and integrating with like the primary care offices in the community and specialists and trying to make sure they treat the whole person. Uh, and we have clinicians um, also expanding our clinical services there. And we have a tobacco cessation specialist who has been doing really remarkable work. She does individual and group work trying to help people stop smoking and vaping. Well, it's a whole so life. these are all services we never were able to so provide is that before. Level, oh, the services weren't. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. It, it's not just the integration this grant is providing you the ability to right. um, to do. It's also a lot of these services. Are right. New we services. never provided them before. Wow. Yeah. So we feel really lucky to have this grant. Uh, it just really helps, you know, people in this community who really need everything. You know, there's and you can come in and really, you know, if you just want clinical, you know, help in terms of seeing a therapist or psychiatrist, but maybe you need a little help with your recovery or if you need a little help finding housing or food stamps or, you know, case management. So, and everybody works together on a team. So does this, uh, this grant money, this two-year grant? Four-year. Oh, four-year, forgive yes. me. Four-year grant. Right. Um, does, it allows you to staff up? Exactly. In order to accomplish these things? Absolutely. So we hired all, you know, all new staff to be able to provide. We never had any of these people before. So this is, and there's a program director who runs it and oversees the whole thing. So these are all new positions for us. Before we went on air, uh, Karen Franklin, I asked you um, how many people were served annually mm -hmm. from uh, by outpatient services of ServiceNet. And I think your response was 2,000. I think close to that. It could be 1,500 to 2,000, somewhere in there. What's the, what's the aspiration now with this with incredible this integrated um, right. program? Right. So the way that this grant works is we have, we're supposed to see 150 people a year um, under this grant. So this would be – some of them could be people that are already receiving services from us but just need additional help with other areas of their lives. And some are brand new who are referred in to get these services. So 150 a year for four years. Well, and um, we're going to ask, I'm going to ask this question several times. Okay. But uh, now's a good time to just take pause and ask if people feel that they or somebody they love or somebody that they know is in need of the kind of services you're describing, um, how do they get in touch with ServiceNet? Okay, so the phone number to call is 413-584-6855, and 
And if you press option one, that will get you to our client registration, which is where they screen for services and refer you to the people who they think are the people should be working with you. In other words, I wouldn't call and specifically ask for outpatient services. I would just That's call. That's the outpatient number. That's the outpatient number that yes. you just gave us. Yeah, for all the clinics, it's a central number. All right, and so um, a lot of our listeners are sometimes in cars driving and don't have a pen and mm-hmm. available without getting in an accident <laughs> or arrested, no. um, but they can remember a website. Is there a website they can remember to look up? Yes, it's uh, servicenet.org. That's and pretty they can, simple. Yeah, very simple. Servicenet, one word, yeah. .org, and they can go on to that. And it also there lists all the services that we have in the agency um, with more description, ways to get a hold of everybody. So in reading about this grant, I see um, this acronym for Certified Community Behavioral, uh, and I can't health, read my... Health Health clinic. is my Health writing. clinic. Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinic. I was sure I wrote feather, but I wrote <laughs> health <laughs> clinic. Yes. Um, so what does the certified portion of that mean? Well, the certified means we're certified by the government to be able to call ourselves a, com- a certified community behavioral health clinic. So certified by the government to provide these services. So that requires government or- oversight? Somebody comes in and takes a look at what you do periodically? Not so much, but we have a lot of reporting to do and evaluation that we have to do for them and data collection. Um, there's research involved in it. So we have a whole segment of this grant that's involved with evaluation and data collection. Um, we're going to take a break in three minutes, but in those three minutes, uh, I, I think a fair question is, <clears throat> four years from now, mm-hmm. looking back, what do you hope to see? Well, there's several things. One is we had this grant for two years, right? And when we were initially doing it, we thought we are going to have to have some way, if we don't get the grant again or they don't renew these grants for anybody, um, how are we going to sustain the services. So we've done a lot of research and looking into ways that we could possibly build and bill insurance companies in the future if we need to. So we don't want to lose these services. We have a real commitment to doing this. And, um, you know, I think what I would feel really great about, and I think we all would, is that people would come to us feeling like they can get the things that they need and come out feeling like their life is more stable and that they're you know, getting to a better place, you know? I mean, I think it's really hard for people to focus on therapy, psychiatry, when you don't have your basic needs met, you know? If you can't get sober, you know, or clean from from drugs and alcohol, if you can't find housing, if you can't eat, you know? I mean, who's going to think about therapy under those conditions, right? So our, our goal is to have help people get what they need so they can be more stable and work on other areas of their lives. We're going to take a break, but I'm go- uh, this is a warning. I'm giving you a warning, Uh-oh. which is about <laughs> a year from now, I would like to get in touch with you and have you on again, along with a willing client who's willing to disclose mm-hmm. their experience to talk about what this grant has meant for them and their life and okay. their family. I'd love, that would be a feel-good moment for me. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're talking to Karen Franklin, Vice President of Outpatient Services at the wonderful service net that so many of us rely on. We're going to be back right after these messages. Do stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. future for abortion rights in America? That's the question we will be discussing with Professor Felicia Kornblue, whose new book is A Woman's Life is a Human Life, My Mother, Our Neighbor, and the Journey from Reproductive Rights to Reproductive Justice. Professor Kornblue will be our guest Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Get in on the conversation. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP, News, Information, and the Arts. 
Hi, I'm Jay Sealer, Vice President, Commercial Lending at Greenfield Cooperative Bank and its Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Our team of commercial lenders are here to help you and your business grow this year. I'm Laura Guzik, Vice President, Commercial Lending. We're a small business administration preferred lender, and all of our lenders at the co-op have individual lending authority, which means fast local decisions so you can get back to business. I'm Adam Baker, Vice President of Commercial Lending. Are you ready to chat with one of our experienced local lenders? Visit bestlocalbank.com or meet with us in person at any of our Franklin or Hampshire County locations. Or if it's more convenient, we'll even meet you at your business. So come on over to the co-op and see me, Jay Sealer. Or me, Maura Guzik. Or me, Adam Baker. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender, member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your friends at the co-op. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you get the best local and organic produce, a butcher shop, wine and cheese shop, fresh seafood, and hundreds of bulk herbs, spices, and more. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you create hundreds of union jobs and generate over $7 million in purchases from local farms and businesses. River Valley Co-op is your food hub, bringing you the best from around the valley and world while supporting your neighbors and local farmers. Shop River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton today. RiverValley.com. Co-op. One thing I like about working at ServiceNet is that in addition to being a manager, I can still be a clinician. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. For people working private practice who want to also still have a commitment to community mental health, Working at ServiceNet gives them the opportunity to do both at the same time. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And during the break, that was Amy Timmons, the communications director of ServiceNet, talking about the services that are available. And we're here in studio with Karen Franklin, who's the vice president of outpatient services at ServiceNet. And we're particularly talking about substance abuse and the grant that will, it'll do a lot of things or be integrated services, but I'm really interested in what you experience in the way of people who, as a result of substance abuse, um, come to ServiceNet and seek help. I mean, um, that must be a painful but important part of what you do every day. Yeah, I think um, we have a substance use disorders team that, um, works very closely with the people on the team for this grant. So they coordinate, they talk about cases, they provide services. One of the things that we have found is really great about having recovery coaches is that they can help people who are maybe a little reluctant to go to a meeting in the community like AA. Um, they can get them there. They can kind of give them support. You mean transportation? Yeah, wise. they can. And they, but they can also give them the support of sitting in the meeting and feeling comfortable until they get used to it themselves. Um, and the peer mentors, I think, you know, having had lived experience, it really helps people to feel more comfortable um, and, and trying to get people to feel okay about asking for the help they need, which is hard. Uh, I'm sure it's hard. I, you know, I, I'm wondering. Um, it's probably an unfair question, but I'm, it never stops me. <laughs> Somebody who's listening right now might know that she or he has a substance ab abuse disorder mm -hmm. and um, and needs help, and is fearful of first admitting it to themselves and others. Right. But uh, then what it's going to look like. So, what do you say to that person who's listening right now to encourage them to come and seek services? Well, what I think I would say to that person is, we will meet you where you are. That is the most important thing, that we will, if you're not ready yet, we will hopefully help you to get ready to make change. But we want you to come in because there are many things we can do to help you, hopefully to get to that place where you are feeling ready to make the changes. We really you know, believe in harm reduction. We believe that People need a lot of support. We know a lot of the resources in the community. And I think, you know, our biggest goal is just to get people in the door so they ask for the help they need. And well, if that's hard, you know, um, we get hard. it. A lot of people, I, I'm sure you do get it better than I do sitting here, but um, a, a lot of people, are, it's an embarrassment to make the admission that's right. that they can't control their behavior, right? That's right. And, and it's also, I think, once you say it, 
then you have to do something about it. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people who have tried, let's say, quitting smoking, you know, or like losing some weight. Like my New Year's resolution every exactly. year. Exactly. <laughs> or saying, you know, I want to lose, I need to lose some weight. I'm going to do this. And then the minute you say it to people, you sort of feel this commitment to have to do it because you've already made it public. So it's better not to say it. Right. right. I think That's some what people we feel. feel that way. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we... But how do your recovery coaches... Actually, uh, I think because they've been through it themselves, mm-hmm. it makes it much easier to for people to relate to that, you know, for people to say, oh, gee, you know, yeah, you understand this. You know what I'm going through. And they can talk about, you know, their journey uh, and how they got to where they are. So I think that helps people a lot feel more comfortable. Is it your... Um, belief, I was going to say hope, I'm sure it's your hope, mm-hmm. that this grant, this $4 million grant that we've been talking about, will help reach more people or that you'll be able to reach more and be more effective or both? I think definitely both. Um, but the effective piece is really important for us because there's a lot of things that we feel like people need help with, but we couldn't do them before we had this grant. And to help people really get to the resources they need and also to get comprehensive care, you know, um, to have a psychiatrist who can talk to your clinician and talk to your primary care doctor who can talk to your nurse around wellness. People take certain medications and it increases likelihood of certain diseases. So, you know, to be able to work with people around that, to have, you know, someone call and say, gee, this person was just talking to me in my session and they don't have, you know, stabilized housing. Like, can you help? You know, so they bring in a case manager to help with that. We've also started to have, you know, case managers sitting with clinicians being involved with them and the client around treatment plans. Really a holistic approach. Definitely. So I guess the last unfair question I'm going to ask you. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, because somebody right now is listening whose child... Uh-huh. It, it, it's obvious they're suffering from uh, an abuse, pro- substance abuse problem, or um, or somebody that they love, or mm-hmm. a best friend, or whatever, and right. they don't know how to approach them to say, call ServiceNet. Right? Can those people call ServiceNet? They and can, and they can speak with somebody who can help them. You know, figure out a way to talk to the person to get them in. It's it's really hard. We get calls like that a lot. There are a lot of people in the community who have family members, friends who are struggling, and they just don't know how to get them to make them. You know, they want them to come in. They'll call and make the appointment, but that doesn't mean that the person who needs the help is coming. Right, so, but the message I'm hearing right now is if you think... We can try to coach people. You can try to coach people on how to approach the person yes. that they think is suffering from an yes. abuse problem. Yeah, it's kind of a consult. You know, we're doing a consultation with somebody. Well... I and everybody else in the community, not just this community, in Berkshire County, up in Franklin County, um, uh, are so grateful for the services that service uh, provides. And um, one more time, this is Karen Franklin, Vice President of Outpatient Services. How do people get in touch um, with your services? Okay, so they can either go to the website, which is servicenet.org, or they can call 413-584-6855. And press option one. They can do it on behalf of themselves or somebody that they care Correct. about. Thank you so much, not just for being with us today, but for everything you do. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs> We're going to take a break. When we come back, Jackie Walsh is going to bring in the new artistic director for Barrington Stage. We're all excited to meet him. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5. WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. 
Owner of Yankee Candle, Newell Brands, will be closing their corporate office in South Deerfield and cutting 13% of their office employees throughout the company. Newell Brands CEO Ravi Salagram announced Monday the brand will be restructuring for efficiency purposes. Employees who were impacted were notified by email yesterday. In the statement, Salagram said we are doing all we can to help transitions, including comprehensive separation packages. The corporate office closure in South Deerfield does not affect the distribution, manufacturing, or retail stores in this location. The City of Westfield and its Fire Commission are facing a lawsuit filed by three firefighters, Captain Rebecca Boutin, Firefighters Kyle Miltimore and Avid Kennedy allege they were fired in 2019 in retaliation for reporting allegations of sexual harassment against Fire Chief Patrick Egloff, who was a deputy chief at the time. Egloff was accused of inappropriately touching two female hospital employees and a department employee during a 2016 St. Patrick's Day parade. A trial in the case is set for April 4th in Hamden Superior Court. The Home Modification Loan Program is making it easier for Valley residents to secure no-interest loans from the state. The state reconfigured its coverage area to include four subregions in Western Mass, overseen by regional provider agencies, where homeowners can apply for loans. The program is geared toward older adults, people with disabilities, and small landlords. The program provides no-interest deferred loans ranging from $1,000 to $50,000 to homeowners to make renovations. Partly sunny this afternoon, a high of 38 to 42. Scattered clouds early tonight, an overnight low of 20 to 26. Mostly cloudy tomorrow, snow arriving around noontime and lasting through the afternoon, a high of 34 to 38. Snow mixes with rain and sleet Wednesday night. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with the Weather Channel and SnowCountry.com. Tempur-Pedic adapts to your body's needs to help you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer, so ditch the eye masks. Head to Ashley and find your perfect Tempur-Pedic. Well, it snowed most of the day on Monday, and the Snow Country crew was out reveling in it, right, Leaf? Spending my best day of the season so far at Cranmore. When you find boot deep powder on East Slope, that's the look of a winter, especially when the snow keeps coming on down. It's really treating the cruising runs well like Ski Meister as well. A beautiful snowy day at Cranmore. Berkshire East got about 14 inches from the storm. Eight inches fell at Jiminy Peak. Three dusted runs action till 10 p.m. there. Half a foot of new at Ski Butternut. Catamount got eight to nine inches. They're skiing nearly two dozen trails now. So is Wachusett with action till 9 30 every night. Hey, this report brought to you by Smuggler's Notch for Modware Family Funds Guaranteed. Visit smugs.com and check out more at snowcountry.com. I'm Jason Dean. Who's on your list of favorite duos? Thelma and Louise? Batman and Robin? Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson? Fred and Ginger? Here's a suggestion. Bill and Buzz. Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, lawyers who together have represented people on death row and at Guantanamo Bay, are now teaming up for Talk the Talk on WHMP. Talk the Talk. Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. Weekdays at 9 and again at 4. Starting next Monday on WHMP. News, information, and the arts. Get down with your hometown. A free online music festival featuring local and national artists and benefiting North Star, the Institute for Musical Arts, and the Shea Theatre, Saturday and Sunday, January 28th and 29th. Some of our featured artists include the Indigo Girls, Rachel Price, Jamie Kent, Chris Smither, Martin Sexton, Suitcase Junket, Elon Jewell, Winter Pills, June Millington, and more. Tune in, getdownhometown.com. Does your partner threaten or isolate you? Do they control where you go, who you talk to, or what choices you make? Are you afraid of what they might do? You have the right to a healthy and safe relationship. If you're experiencing abuse, emotional, verbal, physical, Safe Passage is here for you. It's all free and completely confidential. Call our helpline to explore your options and plan for safety. That's 413-586-5066, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit safepass.org today. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And hello and welcome back to those who are with us and welcome aboard those who are just joining us. It is Tuesday at 4.30. It's time for Playbill, all things theatrical with Jackie Walsh. Hello, yeah, Jackie. Hey there, Buzz. <laughs> so, all things. Now, you, some time ago, uh, we've... Um, looked at what goes on with Barrington Stage. 
in Pittsfield several times, and we've had on the artistic director who had a long and storied career there with Barrington Stage, helping to build it to what it was. Um, So I assume today we have her on. We do not have her on. We have someone else. Uh, Surprise guest, who I'll tell you about. But first, I want to let you know what's going on in the area. Oh, you're going to keep us in suspense. Keep us in suspense. As always. All right. So um, there is Native Gardens happening at the Majestic Theater in West Springfield, which is a contemporary comedy. It's about dueling neighbors, which is common to all of us. We all have neighbors, and we know how it goes. But this, their issue is that one couple wants to plant native plants next to like this prize-winning garden. So it's about that conflict, which sounds... I'm really interested in how they set the play. Like, how do you do that on stage? Mm. So that's interesting, and that's going through early February, February 12th. The Little Mermaid is on its second weekend at the Bowker Auditorium on the UMass campus. They're getting as many as 570 people at their shows. A good percentage of them children. So it's so cool. And it's this Thursday and Friday at 7.30. The, those incredible costumes and, and staging or and people fly. Yeah, and... it's really quite the extravaganza. Thursday and Friday at 7.30 are shows. There's two shows on Saturday at 1 and 7.30. Sunday at 1. It's kind of a gotta see. There's not much going on around here in the winter, but every year, except for during COVID, this group, it's now called Amherst. Community Theater, it used to be Amherst Leisure Services. They do this incredible thing. A lot of people have been working on it for 30 years, so that's really cool. We're sort of in audition season, so I'll tell you a little bit about those more than show season as people prepare for their spring shows. So Smith College has auditions for La Ruta, which means the bus. It's about a bus route in Mexico, which brings factory workers to their jobs. And along this route, many women have disappeared. It's it's uh, based on a true story. Those auditions are Sunday, January 29th, Monday, January 30th, from 7 to 9 p.m. at Smith College. So you can go on the Smith College Theater site to see more details about that. Also, we don't have a lot of Shakespeare around here, but Twelfth Night will be coming to the Spectacular Academy of Music right here in Northampton, um, not all of the roles are available, but Toby Belch, one of my favorite Shakespearean characters, is uh, open. So if you're interested in auditioning, that's at Shakespeare Stage, which you can find um, via the internet. And that's in early February. There's also auditions for the minutes at GCC, Monday, February 6th, and then Tuesday, February 7th at 3.30 it's a new comedy about small-town politics and real-world power. It's written by Tracy Letts, who authored August Osage County. And I did Elephant Man there last year. It was so much fun. So um, it's kind of fun to do theater with 19, 20-year-olds. They treat you like you're still young, so it's fun. Um, there will also be... There will also be... Romeo and Juliet at um, Shakespeare and Company. It's just a one-time thing. It's a traveling group that will be on Saturday, February 11th at 7 p.m. Tickets aren't too expensive, $15 to $35. And then Barrington Stage has its 12th annual 10 by 10 New Play Festival, February 17th through March 5th. Those are 10 10-minute plays, and they range uh, as far as Plot goes from something about baking, a bad gig at a children's party, aging and death, and a 10-year-old baseball little leaguer who would prefer to be watching damn Yankees. So a lot of different (laughs) things. So I tried to tease our guest here by, Mm -hmm. of course, um, uh, Berkshire, uh, the Barrington Stage Company in... And I think all the performances are in Pittsfield, aren't they? I think so, In that yes. wonderful uh, facility. And that was uh, founded by Julianne Boyd um, about 30 years ago mm-hmm. or something, and it just keeps growing, and it's incredible. And every time I've seen something there, I've been glad that I did. And we have now a new artistic director, right? We do, Alan Paul. He served as Associate Artistic 
director at Shakespeare Theater in Washington Company in Washington, D.C., where he worked from 2007 to 2022. And he replaces Julianne Boyd, who was there for 27 years. One of his first projects will be directing, drumroll please, the wonderful cabaret. So welcome. I'd like to say it as they say it in cabaret, as it, welcome. Hi, Alan. <laughs> welcome. No, I'm, I, that's totally off. What is it, Alan? I can't remember that line. Welcome in. There you go. Thank welcome you. In. My German is What non-existent. good is sitting around? Right. Yeah, so, what good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. There, there you go. go. <laughs> That's a great motto for theater. So how are you liking, so you have moved your work life from Washington, D.C., which I love, to the Berkshires. How are you liking it here? It's great so far. And for those of you out there in the snow, it, it's gotten very real very quick. <laughs> but I will say the difference between living in D.C. and here is that you know, the moment the snow hits the ground, they've plowed it away, yes. and the streets are clear. And in D.C., we would have been shut down for a week because of what happened yesterday. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes there's a two- or three-hour period where you slide off the road and you have to stay home for a little bit. But you're absolutely right. We actually have the equipment and the salt and all of that. So you are the first event, as far as I know, at Barrington Stage under... Your leadership is the 10 by 10 festival. Can you tell us, for people who haven't gone, I went for the first time last year, it was a lot of fun. What is the 10 by 10 festival? Well, the 10 by 10 festival is 10 new plays that are each 10 minutes long. And you were teasing them before, but, you know, they're from all different subjects. There's comedies, there's dramas, and they're all premieres. So 10 different writers are getting a chance to give you a little slice of life. And it will be six actors doing these 10 plays, and um, three of whom are veterans, uh, Peggy Farr-Wilson, Robert Zuckerman, and Matt Neely. And they do range, in fact, to that one play you talked about of a little boy who would rather listen to damn Yankees than play baseball. And, you know, I, I can relate to him. He grew up to be me. <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> it's as funny I hope it's as funny in the theater as it is on the page because it's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, to place that deal with real issues of life and death. And there's even a, a metaphysical play that takes you on a journey through time and space. So you really get a fun, action-packed night. And, you know, what else is there to do in February? Right. Last year I brought two Afghan friends, newly arrived. They had arrived in November one speaks very good English, the, not so, the other one not so much, but they both thoroughly loved it. Just, you know, seeing the same actors in different roles and the setting and the costumes, it was great. And I also see that Faith Healer, which I don't know, by Brian Friel is coming in August. I know he wrote Dancing at Luna, so which I am working on currently locally. Oh, wow. Yeah, so tell us about Faith Healer. Well, Faith Healer is an incredible play, and the reason it came to me is that Julie Boyd, who is the founding artistic director, I was looking for a piece to bring her back right away in the summer, and she suggested Faith Healer. And it's three different, four different monologues told by three different actors about a faith healer who travels through Scotland and Wales, and you're never sure whether his healing is a miracle or a sham. And it's about the the question of is it is it art or not to be a faith healer and it's you know the amazing thing about Barrington stage is that these great actors have come back over and over again yeah like mark dold and chris invar and gretchen egoff not as much and so we're gathering all those people together to just give um give the people what they want you know something quintessentially Barrington stage to, to end the summer mm-hmm. and he's very funny Brian Friel, so I'm sure there's a lot of humor in it. Oh, it's a dark comedy. It's pretty amazing. Great. Beautiful language. Nice. And Cabaret, so that is coming up when? (laughs) Well, that opens the season. Actually, it's the second show of the season. It opens in um, June 18th, and it's a musical I love. It's it's a unique musical because it, it is both incredibly entertaining, there's incredible songs and dances, but it's also about something real. Right. And it <laughs> unfortunately feels as contemporary now as it felt 
when it premiered many years ago because, you know, we were always dealing with the rise of fascism somewhere or um, the, the dangers to anyone considered the other, whatever that may be. Right. So I, I feel pretty excited to, to do it now, and I think it will, I hope, land with a fresh eye in, in 2023. Of course it will. Sounds great. So We only have a minute before we have to take a break, but I just wanted to ask you, Alan, what is it like to take over from an iconic figure like uh, Julie Boyd? You know, you put one foot after the other because it's a 28-year legacy. And she, I mean, she got Stephen Sondheim to come to a high school when she did Follies and was building the theater. So when you talk about chutzpah and, and grit and guts, that lady had it all. So I'm just trying to muster the, the spirit of Julie Boyd and, and bring it into the future. Well, so great. It sounds like they, they are very lucky to have you. We are very lucky to have you um, uh, talking Jackie Walsh's playbill today. Zalyn Paul, new artistic director for the Barrington Stage Company, will be back after these messages. Stay with us. Talk about things this is the afternoon like buzz. With this buzz is the Eisenberg. afternoon buzz. One hundred one five Eisenberg. W H M P. One five W H M P. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Hearing the verdict and hearing the words racial animus were extremely painful for, certainly for myself and for the women and men of the Greenfield Police Department who really do go to work every day to serve the people of Greenfield. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. The Paul Parent Garden Club, every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. Brought to you by Weinzick Nursery, locally owned and operated since 1954. Visit Mike, Amity, John, and the rest of the team at Weinzick Nursery, Route 9 in Hadley, and online at weinzicknursery.com. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful in your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. I chose community mental health to serve populations that are often underserved. Megan is a therapist at ServiceNet. One core value at ServiceNet is to continue to learn, to really strive for the most effective treatment. If you're looking for a strong sense of community and collaboration, come to ServiceNet. If you're a licensed mental health clinician who wants to make your own hours while also being part of a progressive community mental health team, join us at ServiceNet. Go to the employment page at servicenet.org. Take WHMP and news from the Pioneer Valley with you everywhere. Download the TuneIn Radio app and search for WHMP. It's free, it's easy, and it's wherever you are. WHMP on TuneIn Radio. T-Mobile has disclosed another breach of its network, this one exposing data on 37 million current customers. In a regulatory filing, the company said the breach occurred in November. It follows a data hack of the network's system that exposed data on 54 million consumers in 2021. Scams targeting both consumers and small business owners have shown up across the U.S. in recent weeks, causing law enforcement agencies to urge increased diligence. Lately, it appears the bad guys are targeting low-income Americans, stealing EBT card numbers. What's the best new car for the money? U.S. News & World Report has released its annual ratings, broken down by categories. Hyundai proved to have the most value among major car brands, with four of its vehicles earning recognition, including the Santa Fe. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back talking to the uh, new artistic, the newly minted artistic director for the Barrington Stage, Alan Paul. And I wanted to ask you, Alan, I know that uh, part of Julianne Boyd, your, your predecessor's mission, and in fact, one of the things that Barrington Stage is 
known for is its commitment to the community, in particular the residents of Pittsfield. But I know that she always, I always saw something about a high school, uh, seniors and juniors being brought to Barrington Stage and meeting directors and actors and that sort of stuff. Is that still part of what Barrington's priorities are? Well, it absolutely is. And, you know, my experience of the theater when I was um, not living here was just the art on the stage. And I think one of the most incredible things it does is it brings young people in. And there's an amazing program called the Playwright Mentoring Project that really gives uh, young people in the area a a resource to build their imaginations and gives them, you know, creative tools. And the the thing we know about uh, getting educated about the theater is, it's helpful for those who want to go in the theater, but just to learn how to be creative is such an important skill in, in whatever thing you do and how to use your imagination. And I think, you know, this is a theater deeply connected to Pittsfield. The question I keep asking myself is not um, what the community can do for me, but really what, what I can do for the community and the different ways in which Barrington Stage can serve all the constituents in, in Pittsfield and the surrounding towns. But you know, come for the summer, but also the ones that live here all year round. Mm-hmm. So, Alan, I know you came from Shakespeare Theater in D.C. Um, I've noticed there isn't a ton of theater, especially out here. I know there's Shakespeare and Company um, in Lenox. Will we see Shakespeare at Barrington Stage? <laughs> I'm not ready to pull the plug on doing Shakespeare yet because okay. I think Shakespeare Co. does it so well. But it's interesting. I spent 15 years of my life doing classical work. So to plan a season without a Shakespeare play or a play by Ibsen or Chekhov is uh, an unusual turn of events for me. Uh-huh. Yes, I can see why. But that. maybe they'll creep in there. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I got a couple years. Yeah. One thing I read in the letter sort of introducing you to the world out here was that you're considered a champion of diversity and inclusion. How will that happen at Berkshire, at Barrington Stage, and are there particular things you want to do? Well, I think that it's so important to um, create new work from diverse voices. And I think if you want to change the theater and change uh, – who comes to the theater, you have to uh, be a real champion of, of, of uh, leveling the playing field. And I think it's my mission to bring in a lot of diverse writers and commissions and uh, directors and people that will give us new perspectives on the art. I think you, you have to have people of, of uh, many different backgrounds at the table if you really want a theater that can speak to many different backgrounds. And so... I, I hope that we uh, continue to be as robust in our inclusion efforts and, and initiatives as, uh, as Julie Boyd was. And I look forward to a lot of great art. Right. So uh, I think Barrington Stage has done a good job at having diverse um, playwrights and actors. And one thing I want to ask you about, though, is the audiences. I absolutely agree that if you... Uh, continue to look at what you're producing and see if it's inclusive. That helps a lot. But there's also a portion of potential audience members who just don't go to theater, don't know much about Barrington Stage. Um, How do you get them in? Like I noticed just a block away from the theater is an apartment complex where the most of the people living there are African-American. And yet uh, I'll walk past them after parking my car, go to the theater and it's, it can be fairly white. So how do you get people to come to theater who don't usually come to theater? I'm really super happy that um, the the state has made theater cheaper for people of limited means with EBT cards, buying tickets that are 5 or 10 or $20. But what's your take on that? Is there any, not necessarily easy solution, but is there an, a solution to that? Well, I think it's challenging with the theater because it can be intimidating. And, you know, sometimes these big institutions are palaces of culture. And I think you can't expect people just to come into the theater that don't know it. You you have to meet them where they are. And you have to figure out ways to get people to see that the theater is a place for them. So this is something that we're in conversation with about all the time. Because the truth is we do have to build a bigger audience and we've got to bring new people in. Um, 
so we're we're just engaged with that on a very day-to-day level mm-hmm. and and i think that there are many opportunities especially with uh, working with organizations in in pittsfield because if you have a great experience in the theater you, you want to come back and if you have a bad experience you you never come back so that's really really on my mind right right So we've just been through and continuing to go through COVID, and I'm wondering what impact that's had on your work in theater. Well, it's been difficult because I think for so many people, we got used to sitting at home and watching Netflix. And so people are not going out as much. So the real challenge and test of this upcoming summer is to see if we can produce some really exciting programming that will get people out there. I mean, Hugh Jackman and the Music Man sold out everything on Broadway for a year and a half during, you know, us emerging from COVID while other shows didn't do as well. And so I think that there is an excited audience out there if you do stuff that excites them. And I think we're all cautiously optimistic that, you know, this summer I think people will finally feel some semblance of normal and it will feel um, easy to go in the theater and that you're not afraid of, of COVID as much. Um, we're seeing signs of that already, and I think all the theaters are, um, you know, hoping to a return to where we were in 2019. Right, and I think shows are, our theaters are coming up with interesting solutions. For example, having one Sunday matinee where everyone wears a mask for those people who only feel safe under those conditions. Yeah, so so during the upcoming 10 by 10, Thursday nights will be a performance where a mask is required, and the rest of the performances on uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will be masks encouraged but not required. So if you do uh, only wish to attend a performance wearing a mask, Thursday nights will be your night, and then the other nights are up to you. Right. So tell us, Alan Paul, who's Barrington Stage's new artistic director, how can people get tickets to the shows at Barrington Stage with the 10 by 10 Festival coming up rather quickly in February? Oh, well, that's easy. Go to our website, www.barringtonstageco.org, which has our phone number and all information about getting a ticket. Or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and all social media and when in doubt, just Google Barrington Stage Company, and you will be able to find us very, very quickly. And tell us again the dates that you anticipate uh, the, the 10s will be happening. February 6th through March 5th. Right around the corner. February, February 16th, excuse me. I not jumped so the gun. I'm not ready for the 6th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, can, I confuse the 6th and the 16th all the time. <laughs> February 16th till March what? Oh, lots of opportunity for people. And so they go to Barrington Stage Co. dot uh, org. Dot org. Yes. There we go. Great. So, Alan, thank you for joining us. We're sure to have you come back and tell us all about Cabaret and the Faith Healers and your first few months at Barrington Stage in Pittsfield. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. See you at the theater. Yeah, (laughs) I love to say break a leg. I feel like an insider. Break a leg. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. (laughs) All right. Take care. And everybody else, thank you so much for joining us. It's the Barrington Stage. Check it out. It's really a wonderful experience. And join us tomorrow. We will have Mayor Roxanne Wiedergartner on. There's a lot going on in Greenfield these days. So talk to you tomorrow. Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group Station.